welcome back to At Least There's a Dog, a Star Trek Enterprise review podcast in which we will boldly go episode by episode through the Star Trek series that, whatever its flaws, undeniably has the most dog. We are your hosts, Mandy and Josh, and on tonight's show we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 5, Cold Station 12. So this is a very special episode of this podcast. Not, yeah, not of, of the, the podcast, show. not the show. Something different than we usually mean by very special episode. So we've got a listener who's also a friend of ours, just to be clear, this is this is not somebody that we met through the podcast. But we've got a listener who has already contributed so much to this podcast in the form of suggestions and emails and generally being our number one fan. Uh, that we decided, uh, let's just go ahead and have him on the show. So, hi, Chris. Hello. It's great to be here. Thanks. Yeah. It is great to have you here. Yeah, we, we, I'm glad we got it in before we ran out of, either ran out of show or just, like, reached the end of our natural lives because we spend so much time between recording episodes. It's true. Uh, I don't think you're doing that badly. Oh, like, thank there's you. There's only a few episodes left in the season. Are there? Aren't there, like, 15 or 20? Something like that. We'll yeah. get there. We'll, I'm pretty sure we'll get there by um, the 2063 first contact. I was going to say, our baby might be in graduate school, but we will get there. We'll get there. It's only 15. I believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's sweet of you. I'm glad you believe in us. Uh, so, this episode, because we watched an episode of the show, too. I thought it was a step up from the last one. Yeah, I I very begrudgingly liked it. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I just always pretend or I tend to forget that the previous episode ever happened and just kind of think of this as a two episode story arc. And it's a lot better that way. Oh, OK. Yeah, I could see that. I, I, I could live with doing that. But just like, here's the thing. I feel like in general, if I were being honest with myself, I would consider this fairly top tier or at least like top mid tier enterprise but it feels like somebody has handed me like a really really nice cheese platter like an objectively nice cheese platter and like it's really good cheese but also you all both know my feelings on cheese so i'm you, looking you at believe the really... that cheese should be given to porthos always I'm looking, yes, dear, I'm looking at the really good cheese platter and going, I don't want this. I see. Yeah. Okay. Because that, yeah, is, still get... my, that is still my overwhelming feeling on this arc is, I don't want this. Mm -hmm. Go back to what you were doing before. Back to the Zindi War? I mean, Honestly, no, but yes. like, you know. <laughs> the Zindi back War back to great. the Temporal Cold War. Oh, God. No, please, dear God. Just a couple episodes ago, we had a nice, like, you know, everybody tries to go back to their normal lives and fails kind of episode. And now they've ended up back in space. And we could do more of that. That would be cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm guessing that, I guess the thing you, you aren't really into is, uh, is it, is it um, Ark Soong or is it the Eugenics Wars? Yes. Fair enough. All of yeah. the above. Okay. I want none of this. I want none of the focus of these episodes. I feel oh. like 
where this I, I don't know how to give well this is the part part two so hopefully people listen to part one already but like yeah if you didn't listen like to part were, one go listen to part one yeah i feel like they were just like hey the ratings were so bad we need to boost them what can we do let's bring back everyone's favorite thing about the original series con well not con because that would break continuity so like con adjacent but we need a good actor brent spiner he's great too everyone loves him and, so and like, everybody Pah. loves him, and he's from TNG, with that, which everybody also loves. So it very much feels like the producers waving their arms around at me and being and doing that thing that I hate it when Discovery and Picard do, where they're like, look, it's that thing you love. Now yeah. you love us too. Unfortunately, this season is full of that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, don't <laughs> tell me that. Oh, that makes me sad. Some of it's done oh. better than others. Okay, well, I guess I can live with that we'll look, for the time being. We'll look better to we'll look forward to the stuff that's done better. I mean, yep. it could be worse. It could be they they could have the sensibility of uh of um the new truck guys. Like, see, this is that thing that you love. It's James Kirk's brother who died to little plastic vomit creature things. Yeah, it's true. Enterprise is at least getting it right that these are things everybody loved. Instead of being mm -hmm. like, it's that thing you loved, and then everybody's like, no, it's not. Nobody liked Nemesis. <laughs> Nobody liked that guy who prosecuted Data in Measure of a Man. <laughs> correct. You are confused about the things that we want to remember. They are, in fact, correct that these are things people actually liked. They're just, you know... I felt like seeing them the first time was enough. And now I want to see the crew of the Enterprise do things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fair. Totally fair. Uh, but yeah, I know there's a Mirror Universe episode coming up, and I... We got a while till we get there. At the rate we're going, yep. um, could be years. So just relax. It'll be fine. <laughs> anyway, for, the, uh, for our listeners, should you... Let them know what the episode's about. Yeah, probably. Okay, this was Cold Station 12. It's time for the summary because we're back to another round of... Hey, remember this from older treks? So Brent Spiner is back as whatever song he's playing this time. A single dad to 11 special needs children who also somehow has time to be a brilliant and highly prolific groundbreaking scientist. That's the most unbelievable thing about this episode. Well, you just took away my first minus. Sorry. <laughs> he, we can talk about it some more. It's fine. Cool. He and the genetically enhanced Augments are headed for Cold Station 12 to rescue some genetically enhanced embryos from their imprisonment inside a truly hideous green screen effect. And only the crew of the <laughs> NX-01 can stop them, which means the good guys negatives. are screwed. We also meet two... What did I write there? Two new friends, that's what I wrote. The runt of the genetically enhanced litter, who teams up with Archer and company, and Phlox's pen pal, Dr. Lucas, who has the dubious privilege of starring in one of the most intense scenes I've seen in a Trek episode. The rest of the main cast is off existing in the background somewhere. Will Sung and the Augments escape with the babies? Will the normies stop their dastardly plot in time? Can you guys please stop calling each other brother and sister if I'm going to have to watch you have sex? The star <laughs> of the show, Porthos, can surely give Flock some useful tips on gaining weight. Accurate. I'm going to say, that is not something I've ever found to be difficult. 
Yeah. Well, you're not a denobulin. Apparently. Flox just needs to get better at eating his feelings. Yeah. Yeah. He seems to, like, starve his feelings, and that sounds way less fun. It no, does. No, you, you starve a, a cold, and you feed your feelings. You feed your feelings. Exactly. Mm. Mm. He's a doctor. He should know this. He should. He should. But, you know, he has weird gaps in his medical knowledge sometimes. Yeah. Uh, would you like the, the trivial bits for for today? Trivia, yes. Give them to me. <laughs> Give them to us. All right, so this episode won an Emmy. Really? Yeah. Should I guess the Emmy? Either one of you. Uh, I think I know. Was I, it I like, already looked this up. Was Fair it, enough. Was it like supporting actor or featured actor? Or... Come on, this is Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um... Well, it wasn't visual effects. No, it was not. Um, <laughs> no, was, it was not. Was it makeup? Nope. Was it music? Nope. Um, shoot, what else might they have actually won? It was something that was actually quite impressive. Uh, was it... Should I just tell you? Set design? Should I just tell you? Go ahead. Stunt work. Oh. It's genuinely good in this episode. It like, is. It's, yeah, It's that's some true. of the best. In, in Trek in general. Also, I didn't realize they had an Emmy for stunt work. It's one of those, like, minor Emmys that doesn't get televised. Okay, because I know there's been a big push for a while to create an Oscar for stunts. Mm -hmm. So it did not occur to me that the Emmys would actually have an award for them. But that's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was well-earned. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, let's talk about Dr. Lucas. Yeah. So I was metagaming a little bit. I knew that he was featured in your trivia somehow, and so that's why my first guest was, like, guest actor ah, or something I see. like that. I see. I see. Yeah, so uh, Dr. Lucas was played by Richard Reilly. Um, he has shown up uh, two other times in Star Trek. Okay. Either of you remember either of them? No. I suspect you might remember the, the roles, but may not have realized it was him. That's possible. Uh his first role in Star Trek was as a character named Bataille in an episode that you might remember called The Inner Light. Oh. He was, oh. he was uh, <laughs> Patrick Stewart's uh, character's best friend. Oh, I oh, do somehow wow. remember that episode, yes. Yeah. Yeah! He was a lot younger in that. He was a uh -huh. lot younger in that. Um, but, you know, not a bad episode to start your Star Trek with. Certainly not. Um, and then later he showed up in a couple episodes of Voyager. He played a character named Seamus uh, in the holodeck simulation Fairhaven. Oh, I remember Fairhaven. I'm the only person in the universe who liked Fairhaven. I haven't um, seen those episodes of Voyager. Yeah, it's, uh, it's... They open an Irish village in the holodeck because they have the energy to spare for that when they're out in the Delta Quadrant, <laughs> you know, subsistence Naturally. farming in the galaxy. And... Uh, <laughs> Well, remember in uh, Lower Decks uh, when uh, Robert Duncan McNeil guest starred as, as Tom Paris? And, I... and they're like, wait, Tom Paris? You mean the guy who wrote Fairhaven? Yes. I, I, I do remember this. Yeah. I need to watch that show. You should. It's, it's a good Lower show. Lower Decks? Yeah, it's good. Oh, oh, yes. Both Lower Decks and Voyager. Yes. Yeah, both. Both. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like, Fairhaven was goofy, but I, I was very charmed by it. Mm-hmm. It, it was rather charming. 
Uh, and then uh, I did also notice he, you know, he's actually had quite a career. You could probably name more of his roles than I could. But uh, I mean, I'm not sure that I could because he's a character actor, so he doesn't play leads. No, no, but he he has, and he's also been in a lot of really like bad stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Anyway, uh, one of his early television roles was on Quantum Leap. Oh, so this is not the first time he's worked with Scott Bakula. Nope. Uh, and also, uh, one of the roles that I re- recall, he played a character named uh, Tom Smikowski. In Office Space, yeah. Okay, you knew that one. Yeah, that one I knew. Yeah, he's the, the guy who made the jump to conclusions, The jump Matt. to conclusions, yes. Yep. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, he's in a lot of comedies, that I knew. And he, well, just based on what I've seen, he's actually a really good actor. He is, yeah. There's a reason he's had a giant, giant career. Yeah, cool. wow. Anyway, um, that's uh, that's my trivia for today. Cool. Yeah, this was not a comic role that he was in. Um, but we'll get to that and the episode's tone, or lack thereof, because now it's time to talk about Faith of the Start. Oh, right. <laughs> the increasingly not simple segment where i have messed up my wording in the introduction the segment of the the segment of the episode where we ask ourselves one increasingly not simple question is what i meant to say on a scale of one to whatever um how much did the theme song ruin the cold open it's not really a scale of one to whatever because we've we've had non-real numbers it's usually yeah it's also usually one to ten if we're being totally honest yeah um, I gave it a two. I gave it a four. I also gave it a two. Okay, fair enough. That means we win. I thought it was a fairly average. Ha ha, we broke the tie this time. Yes, that's how, that's how those were. <laughs> I thought it was a fairly average amount of episode ruining. I didn't think it was that bad, because, like, it's been a long time getting from there to here. We opened with yeah. a flashback to a cut oh. to present day. So, that like, it felt point. thematically connected to me in a way that didn't feel jarring. The way some of those indie episodes did. That is a good point. I think I bumped it up a little bit just because it still felt a little too peppy for what was going on. But yeah. again, I thought it was in an average to middling amount of tone destroying and nothing really to write home about. <laughs> nothing that stands out in Enterprise's history of not being able to control its own tone. Yeah. All right. Uh, should we talk about what we liked? Yes, we shall. Because there were definitely things that we liked. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll start. Yes, go ahead and start. I'll, I'll just start with the the one of the things I liked the most was darn those are good stunt work. Oh, yeah, that was not good English. Um, that yeah. was good stunt work. Yeah, the uppercut where she flipped. Yeah, off. I just yeah. wrote flip punch. I don't know who either of those people were, but just the uppercut where she flipped him. Uh, Super well done. Yeah, and. Also, I noticed on some of the, the in that uh, fight scene between Malik and Archer uh, towards the end, like some of those camera shots were like on Bakula's face yeah. as he's mm-hmm. getting flipped around. And I'm like, yes, that's not a stunt double, is that? Nope. No. They... I... He does a lot of his own stunt work. Mm-hmm. I was impressed. Oh, that yeah. was a lot of really cool looking stuff. It was. I got it piggyback yeah. on that because this was also one of my big ones like i i took classes in stunt stage combat in college and like 
I was just watching in awe as these people were doing it so perfectly. Like it looked real. It looked like visceral. Everything felt like you could feel the impacts of the hits and the throws, the like the joint manipulation. It was all just perfectly timed and shot to make it look as real as possible. And so I was just like really enjoying that and just not to make this a backhanded compliment, but really regretting the dialogue that was accompanying much of the action because <laughs> it w didn't live up to the, to the, to the combat. That is, that is, that is one way of putting what was happening in those scenes. But yeah, the close-ups, not just on Scott Bakula's face, but on a lot of the actors also meant that the fighting looked like it hurt in a way that TV and movie fighting often does not, even though getting punched is in fact quite painful for both people like yes. it, it hurts your hand a lot and yeah. there were yeah. especially some like close-ups on wrists where i was like did somebody's wrist just get broken mm -hmm. mm. but it's also cool because the augments are so strong that they like when they hit people they go flying right like that that woman who uppercutted the guy and he did a backflip like that's not that's something out of mortal Kombat. but they made yeah. it look they did it in a way that looked didn't look cartoonish which is really hard to do. There was that one moment when uh, What's-His-Face like, punched Scott Bakula straight into the lights on the side of the wall that I, <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of giggled at, little... but I didn't think I was supposed to giggle at. But yeah. on the whole, yes. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, okay, I'm going to talk about... Uh, I don't know what order I want to do these in. Um, I'll start with a relatively small one and then work backwards in time. I liked the musical cliffhanger at the end. Mm. Like, it ends on a cliffhanger, but it also ended on, like, I can't think of a term for it other than a musical cliffhanger. Just a really cool, tense musical cue. To the point where I thought the Canadian National Anthem was more tone-killing in this episode <laughs> than, uh, than Faith of the Heart. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. No, the... I remember you started laughing when the uh, doo -doo 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 when the thing that we have begun calling the Canadian national anthem that don't worry any yeah. Canadian listeners we might have we know perfectly well is not the Canadian national anthem. Yeah, that credits but music. If you're if you're in the hmm. if you're looking for a new one, you, you could do worse. It's true. You should consider it. Um, uh, so yeah, I liked the music in general, and I liked that musical cue especially. Yeah, no, it was good. Uh, I'm going to, so I have a small one as well. Uh, I really liked the way that Archer treated um, Smike or whatever his name is, the, yeah. the, the runt kid. Like, he kind of took this approach of being like, this is a petulant teenager. I will treat him as such. So like that, that part where he's like, <laughs> I would like you to join me in the captain's mess. And he's like, do you have a choice? No, with a smile, you know, like that was great. I just thought that that approach to being the captain felt very Archer and felt very just realistic of like, here's this guy. He's kind of a kid. I'm going to, you know, try to be respectful, but also just not be. <laughs> I don't know. It just worked for me. Yeah, that's a very true thing now that you mention it. I cannot quite articulate why, but that was a very Archer type move and a very Archer type way of handling a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it was good. Some good uh, parenting there from Archer. Yep. <laughs> we'll talk more later. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. I think we're on you. Oh, yeah. Um, 
that discussion between uh, Archer and Phlox. Well, in, there goes one of mine. In the in the mess hall, that was that was good. Yeah. Like they're they are talking about, uh, you know, this uh, shades of gray issue um, of eugenics, and uh, they nailed it. Yeah, they did. I it make it makes you think. Uh, it wasn't preachy. It was it was great. Yeah, and I and was impressed. Also, they're it, great actors too. So. I was impressed that it wasn't preachy because you know Star Trek often seizes moments like these to suddenly become very preachy. We'll and talk yet, about that later. Uh, yes, we will. The <laughs> character, the character work between Bakula and Billingsley continues to be some of the best stuff on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very so yeah, true. total agreement with that. Um, speaking of good character work, I'm going to give out a shout to I have no idea how to say his name. That the actor who plays uh, Udar slash Smike, whose name is, I believe, Kaj Eric Erickson. Hmm. We're gonna go with that. I, I that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. That he kind of he kind of looks like uh, oh crap which Col- which Culkin brother is it? Macaulay. He kind he cut no not I, Macaulay. I only the know younger, the one. The younger Rory. He kind of looks a little to me like Rory Culkin, and I've always had a little bit of a crush on Rory Culkin, so I may have been immediately set up to like him because of that. But uh, especially Good compared to, to all his... I, I swear I've told you this before. You yeah. have. Yeah. Um, but uh, where was I? Oh, yes. Especially compared to all of his brothers and sisters, whom we will discuss at length in the minutes to come, <laughs> um, he could act. Mm. Yeah, he, he was. He I, was enjoyable to have on screen. Yeah, I enjoyed getting to know him as a character during his very brief life on Enterprise. He was a very human character. He was. And that's yes. good. That that's good because he was playing a human. Indeed. But yeah, uh, that's that. Cool. So okay, this is gonna be a weird one. Um, I actually liked one of the visual effects in this episode. Just one. A lot of them were very okay. bad. But there's the scene where the doctor is locked into the tube and infected with some sort of incredibly deadly disease. And he's there's a scene where he is in the tube. He's got his hand bleeding, plastered against the wall. Mm-hmm. And then his face like erupts in some sort of weird like sores or pustules as like yep. his veins melt inside his body. And he like burns from the inside while also bleeding. And... The way they did that cut, the way they did that shot, they like it was animated on screen without cutting away so that they could reapply makeup in between. And I was really impressed by how they did that with 2001 era technology. I thought it looked really good for the time and still impressed me to this day. And unfortunately, that was the only thing I could say about the special effects in this episode. Yeah, you're totally right about that, though. That was pretty seamless. And yeah. uh, it was very difficult to watch. Yeah, I had a hard time watching it. Yeah, but I've, like I've definitely... got a, I think a lower tolerance for uh, gore than you two. I mean, yes. On the other hand, you know my usual feelings about torture scenes in Star Trek. Yeah, and I was prepared to feel that way about this scene too, and I did not. Um, I guess since I'm talking, I'll go ahead and jump in out of order because that's my major plus for the episode is that scene. Mm-hmm. The scene that I'm thinking of as the Brent Spiner, Richard Reilly scene, because, you know, the other doctor is dying horribly in the background, but it's really the scene between the two of them. 
And, like, yeah. I gave Brent Spiner a lot of crap in the last episode because, like I said, I don't really enjoy watching evil Brent Spiner, but he was not playing evil Brent Spiner in this one. Um, nope. In in this one, he played a much more conflicted and complicated character who was suddenly once again saddled with not one petulant teenager, but 11, or, like, nine, I guess, now petulant teenagers. And didn't really know how to handle them anymore. Especially mm -hmm. not the one who's trying to replace him, as much as he insists that he's not trying to replace him. Um, and also, like, he was set up from the beginning of, like, this guy's not a killer. He doesn't want people to die. And you could see him going through the realization in that scene that the decisions that he made meant that people were going to die. And in this case, meant that people were going to die horribly. Um, and it was really affecting. So even beyond just the torture stuff, which itself, even though like I don't like torture scenes in Star Trek, it was a really well done sequence. Um, the stuff that really mattered in that was just like these two men having basically a battle of convictions and wits against each other. Um, well, neither it, of them wants this to be happening. Well, neither of them wants this to be happening. And it just played out entirely on their faces. Mm -hmm. And it was super I, tense. And that was the moment when I was like, type. okay, I begrudgingly respect and maybe even like this episode. On top of that, I really appreciated in that scene how Malik's influence was like the the little devil on the shoulder of Brent Spiner's character on, on yeah. Soong. Like, even though Malik's acting has been a little questionable he's in that particular scene he was like no i am standing up for what i believe in right now i am going to push dr soong in my direction and it works because soong trusts this guy for some reason mostly because he was the he raised them i guess as kids mm -hmm. and so yes. it's yeah. you can kind of see how it's going in the wrong way and i i don't know i think that actually works in a way that most of malik's scenes don't i think it's because he's basically background noise in a scene that mm -hmm. is about two very very good actors yeah they're carrying and he's the just scene kind of osmosing from them yeah like he gets to be part of it in a way instead of having to carry the weight of it himself yeah it turns yeah. out that he's better as window dressing good, yeah. good actors elevate those around them correct <laughs> says the the one here who has like probably the least acting experience you can uh -oh. still observe. Yeah, yeah. Um, here's a little minor one. Uh, I like the design of the Denobulan ship. It was cute. It's a cute ship. Mm. It looked like it was smiling. <laughs> I wouldn't it go that far, it. but it was cute. It had like a big old grin when it was flying towards them, and then it got shot out of the sky or captured by a captured by ship, a Klingon ship. Yeah. yeah, it got tractor beamed. All right. I'm out. Okay. Yeah, me too. Oh, then it's up to me. Yeah. Uh, I like the patches on the Cold Station 12 uh, uniforms. Didn't notice them. Yeah, they've all mm -hmm. got like little patches on them that say Cold Station 12. It's like Earth and Denobula. And oh. It's, it's like a... Oh, cute. You know, like a Unity sort of NASA mission patch thing. That's very cool. I... I, I, I was this many days and this many minutes old when I learned those existed. <laughs> okay. Um, there was one other, I, I was actually a little bit on the fence about this one, but 
uh, Brent Spiner, when he was talking with Malik and decided that the thing to do was to blame himself for... Mm. I'd forgotten about that scene. Like, yeah, that seems interesting. Yeah, I, I'm not, like, fully... It, you know, it's not nearly as good as the, the one we just discussed, but, like, it's like, how is he going to deal with this? And, you know, because he doesn't like anyone dying, and here he finds out that one of his children just murdered another one. Uh, well, he was lied to, but I think he may be smart enough yes. to know. Or, And he decided, you know, blame himself. And it was it was just interesting watching him come to that. Yeah. So, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you. Okay. So when I was watching that scene, like, at first it really caught me off guard because it didn't feel like the character I'd seen in the previous episode. And this is kind of where I came from at the beginning of this episode where I said, if you just pretend this is the start, it works a lot better. Because that reaction feels right coming from a guy who's like, you know, on the outskirts of the law doing something illegal, but not like, not trying to restart the eugenics war again, right? Like, that's not his goal. He just thinks these people need to live and have their own world to grow up and and thrive in. And so he's conflicted. And so he's going through that processing of emotions on screen as he's hearing the story. And he goes from anger to rage to acceptance to understanding where his fault lies in this and where he where he did not succeed as a parent and i think that part is really interesting it just feels really out of place right after the previous episode yeah he he really does feel like he's a different character this episode um let me quick make sure i don't have any other uh pluses uh Nothing. Oh, yeah. The, at, at the end, um, the augment uh, ship, like, just dodging the photon torpedo, uh, <laughs> docking with the Klingon ship, and they're out of there. Well, to be fair, Reed wasn't on board the Enterprise, so he couldn't, you know, they didn't have a good marksman. He couldn't do it. it properly, yeah. He didn't, he didn't uh, give the torpedo a good shoulder massage and uh, mm-hmm. kiss it for good luck. It's true. Exactly. It launched. These steps are very important. That'll teach you to put him on the away team next time. <laughs> All right. Shall yeah, we... If we no, if we can go briefly back to the to that scene between sure. um, between what's his face Sung, which, whichever Sung he's playing this time, and, and Malik. Malik. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had very mixed feelings about that scene too, um, because. You all have already talked about the big thing, which was that both of these people feel like they're different characters than they were before. But that also felt like a different whichever Sung you are than appeared later in the episode, too. Because he seemed unhinged in that scene and unstable, and they were going out of their way to use the lights to make mm. him look scary and to make how, him look like... What do you, wait, how do you expect him to, to act? Like... This is just the most horrible thing for a parent to ever hear. Yeah, but there are different ways that one could react to the most horrible thing you could ever hear. And the way that he reacted was just like frothing rage to the point where it was like, okay, this guy is scary. And he is also like, he's in control here. He has the power over, over Malik. 
And then we find out that that's not true in the very next scene. And then for the rest of the episode, he's not like that at all. We don't see any shades of that. Mm. Well, and so, I don't know. No, I think but that was Malik, part of... Malik was, was manipulating him there. He Everything he said was a lie. Well, maybe it's just because Malik can't act. That could be. But that didn't come across to me at all in the scene. Which is probably why I found the transition to him being like, well, why shouldn't I be in charge? Blah, 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 blah. So jarring. Okay. Aside from he was sleeping with his sister, apparently. Sister. Okay. <laughs> sister, yes. But stop calling her your sister if you're going to be doing those things. There have been some air quotes for those listening in the audio format. Yes. Yeah. As opposed to listening in what other format? Smell-o-vision. Ooh. Listening I don't have is my, still uh, not included in I don't in have that. the hardware for that. <laughs> Anyway, minuses? Yeah, I think we're basically already on to minuses. All right. That green right. screen, y'all. Okay, yeah, let's just <laughs> yeah, talk about that green, green screen. screen. Oh my god. They oh weren't even god. moving. They were just standing there in front of a green screen, barely moving as the camera slowly pans out. And they're just glowing. They both have halos. <laughs> the, the lighting was... The lighting did not match what they were in front of, and that is... The number one rule of green screens, the the lighting is what ties what ties the reel together with the um, with the uh, whatever you call it, the imaginary. And, and I'm just like, were you all so over budget at this point that no one looked at that and said, okay, maybe we should do that take again? I mean, I assume what happened is that they filmed it before they knew what the embryo room looked like, I guess they were assuming that there would be lots of lights behind them in the embryo room, and then there weren't when they okay, created or, the embryo room in post. But, okay, or nobody said, maybe we should tweak the embryo room again. Yeah, no, they should have. That was... They really should have. That was bad. And I could be wrong, but it, it felt like... Was the camera, like, shaking a little bit without the embryo room shaking? Towards the end of that shot, were they like jittering slightly? I didn't notice, but I would have no problem believing that this was happening. I don't know, just everything because about that was bad. The crew who was shooting that scene was spontaneously replaced by amateur pod people. Yeah. It's weird. It's very weird. Yeah. What a bad. Yeah. Not their best work at all. Nope. All, all right. right, somebody, pick it up. Okay. Um,. I'll start from the beginning. I have been a parent, and Mandy has also helped me. We have been a team, two of us, with one baby, and goodness, it takes a lot of our time. Yeah. You're trying to tell me that Eric Soong has been a single parent to 11 babies. 11 very high-maintenance babies. Babies who... Like, when normal babies fight, like, they get a little boo-boo. These ones could probably <laughs> break each other's necks at the age of, like, three. How? And also, these babies could probably win arguments against their dad from a very young age, which normal babies can't do. Yeah, yeah. this was the least realistic thing. Yeah, and yet he also had time to be a brilliant and groundbreaking scientist. Yeah, no. Whoever came up with that has never had children. I think the uh, the the 
episode tries to deal with that by just glossing over it. Like we see a, a soundless footage of a birthday party and that's really all we've got from that period. And so I think we're just supposed to suspend disbelief, but I think you all can't do that given nope. how close you are to it right now. They're going to try and tell us that he baked that cake from scratch too. All of this is just parent shaming. He protein <laughs> synthesized it. Fair. That's totally fine. As long as your kids eat. But seriously, so, too many kids. Not enough parenting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my first one, and this is very minor, but again, the dialogue during the action scenes was so bad. Uh, there was that scene where the you know the augments land on the ship, and Persis comes forward, and the guy's like, "Hey, why are you flying a Denobulan ship? You're not Denobulan." And then he gets uppercut in a really amazing way. Like that line is so bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's terrible. Like, what Starfleet officer talks that way? Like just everything about it was such a mess. Yeah, somebody's been drinking on the job was all I had to say in response to that. It The dialogue was bad. And at the end of that scene, didn't she just, like, look at him after he was, like, knocked out on the ground and be like, you're right. Yes, that was yeah. her witty comeback. Also, who hired you to work security? Just, just, My no. Goodness. The Makos are way more competent than this guy. They really <laughs> you know? are. No wonder they uh, sent them along on uh, on the Zindi War. Right? Anyway, that just that that is one example of many others in this episode. Indeed. This is a very minor one, but it's a bit of a bee in my bonnet. You cannot convince me that Jonathan Archer has read Nicholas Nickleby. Alright, for the audience <laughs> And definitely not for your co-host. What is Nicholas Nickleby? It's a Dickens novel. Yeah. It's it's a it's like a tier two Dickens novel. One yeah. that's known but not widely read be, in favor of more famous ones, like Great Expectations or David Copperfield. Of course. Thank you for telling the audience that. Because obviously I knew that. Of course. Obviously. Yes, obviously you knew that. And obviously, Captain Archer knew it. And knew it well enough that he would understand an allusion to it. Just like me. Indeed. <laughs> no, Maybe Starfleet you... officers get a classics education in uh, Starfleet Academy Even in addition. Do... He didn't go to Starfleet Academy. He went to, uh, which one was it? Stanford? Did he go to Stanford? It, yes, I believe so. Because he played yeah. water polo there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. also, even if they do, he didn't read Nicholas Nickleby. <laughs> he read the Cliffs Notes. He might have done that. But just like, nobody's got Nicholas Nickleby on their syllabus. <laughs> it's a fairly throwaway Dickens. I don't know, maybe they... Maybe it gets a new appreciation Like, in the Smike is definitely the best character from Nicholas Nickleby. But I, I still don't believe it, so. Archer's read it. <laughs> Minor point, but I'm just saying. I'm calling <laughs> BS on that. Hmm. Fair. Totally fair. Um, uh, another fairly minor thing. Uh, Archer uh, tells the... I don't remember his name. I keep wanting to call him Usul, but I know that's not his name. Udar. Udar. Um, assuming it's not your father. Uh -huh. I'm just like... No, 
your father is who raised you. May not be your biological yeah. father, but I'm just like, come on. Yeah, that's a pretty, that's a pretty silly tactic to try to get the kid over to your side, and, and what, it shouldn't sorry, have worked. And that's the thing that's weird. It doesn't work, even as it does work. Yeah. Like the kid is still calling Soong father. He still feels some amount of loyalty to Soong, even if he doesn't feel loyal to his brothers and sisters. But he also just goes along with Archer. It's like it doesn't really make a lot of sense. No, the the writing just like especially on a line-by-line basis in this episode, was just not good. Like, some of the ideas were conceived pretty well, but so much of the episode feels like it was written at the last minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did not... I don't remember who, who wrote this one. I don't either. Yeah. And speaking of things... That's, that's good for them. Speaking of things that were not good, we've already alluded to this a fair bit, but the guy playing the lead augment is so bad malik's actor yes like none of them are good the girl isn't good either but he's so bad yeah yeah i got nothing Just, really to add to that i i don't find him to be a convincing liar or manipulator because he can't act yeah. So I don't find him to be a convincing anything. That's that's true. Then that in that one scene that I I did say I liked I I think I actually did I even pause it just be like he's he's so bad at lying. Yeah. And the problem is that you know he's supposed to be really good at lying and manipulating. That's at the root of this character. But that's an incredibly difficult role to play for any actor because then you have to truthfully play an untruthful person. So playing a liar is inherently kind of paradoxical and he can't do it. Yeah. And therefore so much of this isn't working because he's shouldering the burden of scenes and plots that he can't carry. I'm sure he's a lovely person. (laughs) He should have found a different profession. Oof. Okay. Ouch. He's also Scottish, so he was also trying to talk with an accent throughout that whole episode, oh, and I don't think that was doing him it. any favors. Okay, yeah. I'll give him this. He didn't sound Scottish. Yeah. I don't know so what he sounded, but uh, it wasn't Scottish. Yeah. Mm. Um, all right, I'm going to go down this road. Let's talk about costumes. Okay. Specifically, Ooh. let's talk about the augment costumes, which are <laughs> bad in many ways. <laughs> so, okay, so they run around in tattered clothes all the time. Cool, fine, I guess. Except They're tastefully tattered, though. Tastefully tattered. Except Brent Spiner somehow gets a completely new outfit when he joins up with these folks, right? Like, I don't think he was wearing that when he was in prison. No. Um... And I, I can't remember if he got that new outfit when they landed on Orion or not. I don't think so. So he somehow has this new outfit that looks great on him. And then the rest of the augments are all just wearing rags. Okay, they, sure. They, it's stylish, though. They're, they're wearing it to be stylish. Okay, I guess. <laughs> no. But now here we come to part two of my issues. So let's talk about <laughs> Persis, the female augment who has any dialogue in this episode. Is that her uh, name? That is her name, Persis. Okay. So we've got a sex scene, right? Where she and Malik are in bed together and she is clearly wearing underwear. Uh Then you fast forward to the scene where she's uppercutting a guy and making him do a backflip. And right at the end of that scene, she's bending over him and punching him. 
And then the camera cuts to her being bent over, and she's not wearing underwear in that scene, and her tattered clothes are showing her butt to the whole audience. And it's like, so wait, she takes off her underwear to go into battle? That's a weird choice. Like, is this just UPN being UPN? I don't know. But She puts on underwear for sex. Specifically yeah. for sex. Specifically for sex. And then she takes them off That's beautiful. And- so notice that, this, but I'm so happy that you did. That's probably just because this was my second time watching the episode, and I don't know why anyone would watch this episode twice. <laughs> <laughs> the fact of the matter is that happened. So it could just yeah, be that just, it's her superior intellect. Maybe, maybe <laughs> this is the proper way to do things. I don't know. Maybe sounds well, like she's getting combat advice from Red Sonia or something. I don't know, but. Yeah. Given UPN, weird. that sounds very possible. Right? Anyway, that I just thought the the costumes of the guest stars were inconsistently used. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And they somehow managed to be goofy in so many different ways. Yeah. Like I the 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 torn clothing look, like that that comes from Star Trek 2, but that was because they were marooned on SETI Alpha uh, 5. Right. Yeah, and uh, they're—I don't recall their clothing being torn quite that, like, hot that, topic style either. Well, yeah, it, it, this is the early aughts. Yeah, but still, I'm looking at pictures from the movie now, and it's like, it's a completely different is approach it? to to weathered clothing. Well, I guess they just turned their uh, their ancestors' look into a fashion statement, but uh, that doesn't make me feel better yeah. about any of it. Yeah. Oh, uh, thank you for bringing that up. That's fantastic. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll give one of the big ones. Um, Archer's history lesson. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Remember yeah, how yeah, I yeah, said yeah. that they had that scene which was tasteful and not preachy? I mm. do. And we come back to that. I do. Mm-hmm. We're back to that. We, we are. It. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Tell us about Archer's history lesson. Whenever any time a people think they are superior to another kind, this is always what happens. Oh, good. Shut up, Roddenberry. Actually, no, no. I'm not even going to blame Roddenberry no, for that No, don't one. blame Roddenberry for that one. Shut up, Manny Cotto, or whoever you are. <laughs> I may have to look this up so we know who to blame. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Actually, they should hope that I don't look it up. Just then they can say anonymous and and yeah. what we won't sick our our legions of listeners on them for for the crimes of episodes past. Please, listeners, no matter how bad the episode is. Do not actually go and try to attack the writers. Indeed, do not ever consider yourselves sicked upon anybody. Yeah, no, we don't. We don't go like that. Nope. That being said, writer, whoever you are, you should be ashamed of yourself. That's true. Um, so we have discussed in bits and pieces the tone. This episode was tonally all over the place. As much as we all loved the. Uppercut flip. <laughs> I do not believe that that belongs in an episode that is not a comedy. Yeah. Because I laughed really hard at that shot. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly a guy was 
burning to death internally right in front of my eyes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, there was a lot of tone whiplash in this episode. Pretty much on a scene to scene basis. And I don't think it ever really knew how it wanted the audience to feel about anything that was going on. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's, it is everywhere and all all over the place. Like this is this is normal. Enterprise has had very consistent tone problems pretty much since season two. It's been a long road. Oh, sorry, um... I wasn't even just thinking of that. I was thinking of issues in the episodes beyond just the theme song. Ruining yeah, everything. but but they uh, they do have like, tone issues. Yes, the series has generally been plagued by tone problems, but they got they came to a head here let us just say that yeah yeah no it's pretty bad in this one uh speaking of tone problems uh when smike is talking to archer and says i'm not entirely human i can hear like they do that was that was pretty special like i was like what did you improv that line because nobody seems to know what to do with it yeah and and it's such a throwaway line too that they just immediately undercut it by having the augments already be there so like he can hear like they do but he's too late anyway like it took him too long to deliver that line to actually give yeah the and then when the girl warning. is like it's too late we're already here it seems like that was supposed to be some kind of wham line but it almost felt like she delivered that as a question and the question was really that's what i say yeah yeah precisely I, yeah and also that was very much like a, were you just like waiting to say that sort of thing? Totally. Just, just off camera, in fact. Yeah, they were just hiding in the wings, waiting for the perfect moment, the perfect moment to deliver that line. Yeah, not yeah. not a great thing to do in a non-comedy. Um, I aside from just I don't want this in all capital letters. I am out. Oh, I've got more. Oh, I've got was this episode one good? More. I think the episode. I think the episode was. It was carried good. by some very strong points, I think. Fair enough. But there were a lot of issues. Yeah, um, mostly small things. Uh, the auto-destruct gambit was... Uh, I didn't really like it, because it was like, right before the commercial break, ah, it's going to blow up, right after the commercial break, oh, it's not going to blow up. Um, yeah. It, and also, like you you left the, the system... Because you didn't want one of the people on the station to die. Now you're going to kill all of them. Speaking of inconsistencies about how many people you want to die. Yeah, that's It was really, I think, a very poor choice by uh, Malik to choose the, the one guy at the lab that Dr. Lucas didn't really like um, <laughs> to be put into that tube. Because as soon as someone that Dr. Lucas liked went in there, he's like, okay, okay, it can be the code. He flipped instantly. Yeah. yeah. He sure did. That, that, that was, it's like, you're willing to let this one guy die horribly, but you're not a lot willing to let, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I know there's, there's like different, you know, you, you break at some point. I, but... I, I, I was going to say, I do understand how. After watching one guy die horribly, you might not want to immediately go through that again, especially not with like one of your best buds. Also, there's a there's a possibility that Lucas didn't think Soong would actually go through with it. And he was right. Like Soong wanted to not go through with it. It was Malik who forced him to. 
So, like, I think he was still holding out hope that this other scientist would, in fact, not kill this guy and didn't take into account the army of teenagers in the room. Yeah, that's true. Small army. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the auto-destruct thing I didn't care for either, because except that one time in Star Trek 3, we know you're never actually going to blow up the ship. (laughs) So it doesn't create tension the way you always seem to think it's going to. Mm -hmm. And then uh, one last thing that I have is, and I, I could be wrong on this, but it feels to me like this is... And this is the the problem is that this is a, at least a three parter. I think it's just a three parter, but um, it's very obvious where this is going, um, and it's that Suing is gonna have to take out Malik himself. Do you think that's obvious? Yeah. I mean, probably. I guess now that I'm thinking about it, but I don't think that's necessarily the way they have to go. Okay, just, I... Chris, I know you've seen it, so you can't contribute. Yeah, yeah. I can't say anything here. Um, It it feels like they are, I don't know, it's just, it's it's slowly going towards that, but it's been, I feel, foreshadowed too much already. Yeah. Also, this... Sorry, Sorry, go ahead, Chris. This is also a prequel episode, right? Like, we already know how Space Seed begins in... The original series so we know that the augments have to be stopped in some way and soon has to be imprisoned in some way at the end of all of this so like it's like we know what the outcome is and now it feels like the methodology is becoming too predictable as well so then what's left like what's left to interest mm-hmm. us in the episode i think yeah that, yeah the only other possibility that i foresee is even dumber which is that malik transforms into khan somehow oh dear I mean, he, he's not Ricardo Montalban. I'm sorry. Yeah, but he might be Benedict no, Cumberbatch. No, he is not. <laughs> he might be Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, dear. Which is not mm. a good thing. We're not going to contemplate this possibility no. because if I contemplate it too hard, I might start vomiting. Yeah, we um, don't want you to have any of the symptoms of that guy who got put in the tube um, with the pathogen. Thank you. I appreciate that. And this is not a Star Trek Into Darkness podcast. This is not a Star Trek Into Darkness podcast. (laughs) I do feel like they are are running into, and I don't expect this to get better, what I think of as Doctor Who syndrome, which is when people who are of an average, or even a somewhat higher than average intellect, try to write characters who are exceptionally brilliant... It usually doesn't come off very well, and the exceptionally brilliant character usually comes off looking like kind of a hack, because it's really hard to write a person who's smarter than you, because you don't know what being smarter than you is like. And it's a hard Mm. thing to envision, unlike, say, someone being stronger than you. Um, And the problem is that these teenagers who are supposed to have, like, super advanced intellects in addition to all their advanced other stuff are not very smart. You're right. Like, Malik especially is not very smart. He's just uh, assertive. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not what I think of as Doctor Who Syndrome. Personally, to me, Doctor Who Syndrome is, hey, it's something that Star Trek has had problems with largely during Voyager, um, and that is, hey, if 
one uh, Dalek is scary, then a zillion Daleks should be even better. Ah, yeah. I just think and, of that as Daleks. And uh, they did that with the Borg. Yeah, they're yeah. doing it also with the uh, ship auto-destructs. Oh, nothing new. Uh, yeah. Shall we talk about some uh, superlatives of the episode? Are we all out of uh, minuses? I think we are. Yeah. I guess we I are. So. It doesn't need any oh, more right. beatings. So first we've got the Mayweather Report, for which I nominate everyone but Archer and Phlox. That's I mean, yeah. A lot. I was going would... to nominate Hoshi. I was going to nominate Mayweather because he did less than Hoshi. That he did. Let me explain my rationale, though. The reason that I don't want this in all capital letters is that it feels like the main cast of Enterprise, whom I have grown very fond of over the last few seasons, have become guest characters in their own show. And that they have kind of been pushed out of the way to make room for, look, it's that thing you love from previous Star Trek series. Like... Trip and T'Pol were in this episode, and Reed kind of was, I guess, sort of, but none of them did anything consequential. They, again, just kind of existed Reed, Reed, in the background. Uh, fired some phasers. Mm-hmm. Was Trip in this episode? He was. He was. He, he, was he had some lines. I'd be hard-pressed to tell you anything he said. Okay. Yeah. He but, said like, very Archer got stuff to do, Flocks got stuff to do, and for the main cast, that was it, pretty much. Mm-hmm. It's true. They yeah. were all sidelined. It's just all of them had at least a couple of lines except Travis. Yeah, so my nomination is the main cast except Archer <laughs> and Phlox. I don't even want to deal with that on the spreadsheet. Um. <laughs> uh, That's fair. I'll, 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 I can go with Travis Mayweather. <laughs> just to make your Travis life easier. Mayweather. To make my life easier. <laughs> Travis Mayweather standing in for the whole main cast. Works yeah. for me. All right. And then? Uh, and then we have a Kirk Award to give out. Every show we bestow the James Tiberius Kirk Award on the character who spends the episode keeping the Star Trek legacy alive by doing the best William Shatner impersonation. There's no question it has to be Archer. It has to be Archer. There was the chick who did the uppercut punch. Yeah, but, thing, but uh, yeah. Kirk's punches go the other direction. It's true. Yeah. I don't Kirk think he gave can... the melodramatic speech and he ran off into the Jeffries tube to fix the problem when Reed was literally standing right next to him and could have done that himself. Kirk yep. would literally have to be upside down in order to Kirk punch someone so hard that they do a backflip. It's true. And it's yeah. it's funny because I don't think Bakula is even trying to to uh, pull the Shatner strings on Enterprise. They just keep that's giving just the him, role. That's just the role. They keep giving him more and more screen time at the expense of everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And All the right. script and forced I'll, it this time. Also, just, you know, let's yeah. give him some credit. He did some pretty great stunt work. He did. It's mm-hmm. true. He did great. Yeah. Next, he can free climb El Capitan. Sounds <laughs> like a plan. Yeah. Wait, he did that a couple episodes ago. He didn't free climb El Capitan. It wasn't El Capitan. He, he climbed a mountain. He did. He climbed a mountain. That's true. He's just transforming into Captain Kirk, into Captain Kirk at this point. So I do not expect the run of Kirk Awards to change anytime soon. Why is Archer climbing the mountain? Because he has feelings, and he's afraid <laughs> of them. <laughs> yeah, that's actually accurate. I like that. Well, well put. Thank you. 
All right, is that a wrap? I think that is. All right. So, so well, first off, thank you so much for joining us, Chris. Hey, this was fun. Thanks for having me. Indeed, this has been a great time. Maybe we should do it again someday. I'm down. But in the meantime... And also, just so everyone knows, thank you for joining us on what was frankly very short notice. It was, it's true. <laughs> it worked out. And from North Carolina, too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, but the, the audience won't know because I'm going to edit it really well. It'll sound like we're all together. Of course. I hope. I'm sure it will sound lovely. But regardless, even if it doesn't, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this, please tell all your friends and family to join the crew. If you're really enjoying this, please consider leaving us a rating or review or signing up for a subscription on the podcast platform of your choice. If you would like to tell us how we have brightened your day and send us some ideas for the show, and you never know, maybe guest star on a future episode if you do this often enough, shoot us an email at at least there's a dog at gmail.com. And if you are watching along with us, your next viewing assignment is the episode The Augments. <laughs> Yippee. I'm so excited. Almost through. I know. Take care yeah. of yourselves, and until next time, remember to go wherever your heart will take you. Bye. Bye. Bye.